So if you guys want to uh, get this on podcast, listen to me again in your free time, you're more than welcome to do that. Or if you just aren't here and you feel like listening to it, you can do that too. What? You're going to cry because you have to listen to me more than twice a week? Oh, because he's so happy he gets to listen to it again. Well, great. I mean, if you guys, I know you guys are going to be taking like really, really good notes, but if you miss something that I say, you can just go back on the podcast, you can hear it, and fill in your notes, the part that you missed. So, you guys know what we're starting talking about today? You had your hand raised, I saw it. You raised your hand, I saw it. I saw it. Yeah, rules of Bible study. There's a bunch of them. Uh, I don't even know how many. Yes. You have a question already? We haven't even started. Since there's only mature people in here, can we use our phones for our Bibles? No. No, you may not. Uh, yeah, if you don't have a Bible, you should get one because we're going to look at some stuff. So, rules of Bible study. Uh, I have a quote by a guy named Dr. Adrian Rogers. Some of you guys might have heard of him. You might have heard his voice, even if you don't know who he is. He had a pretty famous sounding voice. He was a, he was a preacher guy. Uh, I think he died like, I don't know, maybe five or ten years ago, something like that. But there's still a lot of YouTube clips of him preaching. Uh, his name's Dr. Adrian Rogers. He said, I think he might have gotten this from somebody else, but this is who I heard it from. The Bible is like a pool, shallow enough that a little child can come and get a drink without fear of drowning, yet so deep scholars can swim in it and never touch the bottom. So I like that quote because, uh, I mean, it's talking about the Bible, but uh, the Bible is, if you're a baby Christian, you can get what you need from the Bible. It's easy enough to understand. You can get the basics that you need to know. You can you know, start developing a relationship with the Lord as a baby Christian, not knowing anything about the Bible. You don't have to know all the stories. You don't have to know, uh, you know, what dispensations are. You don't have to know, uh, you know, all these fancy terms in order to be able to understand what the Bible says. But, um, you know, people who study it and spend their whole life uh, in the Word of God can, you know, still be getting new things out of it. It's so deep. There's so much to it. Uh, you'll never, you'll never be able to find the bottom of it uh, as far as like understanding all of it. So uh, none of us is, uh, you know, none of us knows everything about it. Only God does. But, uh, but there's just so much to it. So um, this is going to kind of coincide with our Wednesday night study on um, discipline. I was thinking diligence, discipline uh, that we're talking about because. I'm trying to challenge you guys to spend some time reading your Bible, spend some time studying the Bible. Uh, I told you guys I'd like to see some of you guys give devotions this year. Um, the rules of Bible study is super helpful for that. It gives you tools to be able to, uh, you know, kind of understand what you're reading, ways to dig into it deeper, ways to, you know, study out what does this word mean, how does God use it, uh, those kinds of things. There's there's several rules of Bible study. I don't know how long exactly we're going to go on it. Um, there's probably 15 or so that we're going to cover, maybe 20 of them that we're going to cover. Uh, and I, I don't, the goal of this is not to bore you guys with, um, you know, Bible stu- like 
Bible study rules and things like that. But it's just to help give you guys a, an idea of how to study the Bible. When I'm reading my Bible and I see something I don't understand, how can I find the answer to that? Uh, how can I find out what this is talking about? How do I know how to apply it to me? Because if you're reading the Bible, um, hopefully you want to know how to apply what you're reading to your own life. And so being able to know you know, how to study the Bible and how to discern some of those things uh, is going to be really helpful. So um, like I mentioned in that quote, uh, the Bible is easy enough to understand for a child. I mean, children get saved all the time, right? I mean, people, you, you can share the gospel with a child. The child can... Uh, you know, as long as they're old enough to understand what you're saying, right? They can understand enough about salvation uh, to be able to get saved. They can understand some basic things like, uh, you know, oh, I, I need to get baptized. Um, you know, oh, I can't lose my salvation. That's an important one uh, that we teach, you know, baby Christians. Uh, flip over to First Peter chapter two. Uh, that's where we're going to start today. So, just like with a physical baby, a physical baby drinks milk, right? That's how a physical baby survives or a formula. Um, they can't, you know, babies don't have teeth for the most part. I think like one in a thousand babies is born with teeth or something like that, which is super weird, but uh, most babies don't have teeth, so they can really only survive on milk. And uh, spiritual babies are the same way. I mean, you would not take somebody who's a, a baby Christian who doesn't know anything about the Bible and start trying to teach them you know, end times theology or, you know, some really deep um, concepts about the Bible. That's, that's Those are good things for them to know, but uh, the things that a baby Christian needs is, is milk, right? They need simple things. Hey, you cannot lose your salvation. You know, I know, I know you uh, are a sinner and you were on your way to hell. Now you're saved. Now you're not on your way to hell anymore. And nothing can change that, right? Th- that's kind of like the comfort things that a baby Christian might need to hear. Or, what's the next thing that you're supposed to do? Well, you got saved, so the next thing God would like for you to do, the next step of obedience, we call it here at this church, uh, you know, is to get baptized. Well, why do I need to get baptized? Well, here's some verses. Let's look at that. Why does the Bible say that we need to be baptized? Um, you know, the Lord's Supper. Some of those uh, basic things, Those that's like milk. That's like spiritual milk for for a baby. So Second Peter or First Peter chapter two, verse two. Somebody read that out loud for me, please. Don't all jump at once. Okay, yeah, so both physical there's a lot of pictures in the Bible. The Bible uses pictures um, a lot, and so this, the picture of a physical baby um, is the same as a, as, a, or as a picture of a spiritual baby. And so as a baby needs milk, baby Christians need um, you know, spiritual milk. We need, they need something that's easier to digest, something that's not going to be uh, too much for them to handle. You don't want to choke uh, a baby Christian who's excited about the fact that they just got saved. You don't want to like dump all this heavy, hard to understand you know, you don't want to have them start reading in, hey, go read Isaiah and then, you know, figure out what it's talking about. You want to, you know, start them with something easy. Hey, read the book of John. You know, God is love. You know, these kinds of these kinds of things. Um, that's where you want to start them with. And so same thing with the with the regular baby. Um, all right. Flip over to first Corinthians chapter two.
So um, I think all of you guys in here are saved, or um, if you're not, you need to take care of that first. But um, you know, most of you guys are, you know, maybe have been saved for a couple of years. Uh, some of you guys less than a year. Brendan, less than a year for you. Um, so you guys are, but you guys are all kind of in the early stages of being a Christian. I don't want to say that all of you guys are baby Christians because I think uh, most of you guys know more about the Bible than a lot of baby Christians because you've, most of you guys have grown up uh, in this church hearing the Word of God. And uh, so you guys probably know more than maybe your average baby Christian, even if, uh, you know, you just recently got saved. But uh, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, I just realized I'm not actually turned there. I started and I stopped. Um, you know, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to help, you know, help a help a Christian discern some of these things. And uh, so this passage, in, does anybody want to read this? It's six verses, five verses. Any takers? No, I guess it's six verses. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, yeah, six. All right, I'll read this one. It's long. Oh, Brenda's going to read it. Go for it, babe. But as it is written, I So that there's a lot in that passage, but you know specifically like verse 13, um, the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So the Holy Ghost, once you're saved, the Holy Ghost dwelling inside of you helps determine or helps discern what you're reading. So like uh, I, and then in verse 14 when it says, um, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So a lost person can read the Bible, obviously. They can understand, you know, conceptually, like, okay, this is what this is a historical uh, telling of something that happened, right? They can get that part about it. Maybe they can even understand, oh, there might be, there's some truth that's trying to be taught through this story. You know, maybe it's a, a parable of Jesus. Now, okay, I get what he's saying, that, you know, when, he, when a sower sows the seeds, the seed is the Word of God. Okay, I understand that conceptually, but there's something about the Bible that you can't get unless you have the Holy Spirit. Um, There's a spiritual component to the Bible that uh, you cannot really get everything from it without the Holy Spirit. So uh, if you're saved, you have the Holy Ghost living inside of you, and the Holy Ghost, one of his jobs is to help you understand what you're reading, help you understand how that applies to you, help you to, uh, to understand the Bible in a way different than how a lost man can uh, or woman can can understand it, and so you know wherever you are um, spiritually, like whatever stage you're at, we're just supposed to be obedient to the things that we know, right? I mean, all of you guys know we're supposed to read our Bible, we're supposed to pray, right? Those are like kind of basic things that you guys know, but uh, we just need to be obedient to where we are, um, regardless of you know how much we think we know, how much we think we don't know. Um, the Holy Spirit's going to take care of all that, right? The Holy Spirit's going to you know, he's going to give you what you need from where you're reading. Uh, he's going to give you exactly the the 
you know, level of difficulty of, of understanding that you need. So uh, that doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily just understand everything you read, right? The Holy Spirit is going to give you, hey, what is this? What is this talking about? Well, I don't really know what it's talking about, but I do have, I do know enough to, I can look this verse up, or this sounds like another verse I've heard, right? The Holy Spirit does all of those things um, inside of you. So uh, this, this study is, is going to hopefully help give you some tools. And because one of the other jobs that the Holy Spirit has is to bring to remembrance things that you've heard before, things that uh, you know that maybe you've forgotten uh, or things that, uh, you know, maybe you haven't thought about for a while, but, you know, sometimes you'll just be, you'll be reading or you'll be talking to somebody and you just like remember, oh yeah, there's this other thing or this, I remember this verse or, uh, you know, maybe it's a verse that I haven't like quoted in a long time. We're doing discipleship one with, with a couple. And so when they start saying their verses, uh, I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't heard this verse for a while. I haven't, I, I memorized this verse like 20 years ago when I went through discipleship. And, but as soon as they start saying it, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember exactly what it says. You know, the Holy Spirit brings those things back to your remembrance. And so hopefully this study will give you guys some tools that, uh, I, I don't expect you guys to like memorize all of the rules the Bible said that we're going to go over, but, um, but hopefully as you read and as you study and the Holy Spirit will bring back some of these things that you're learning. And, um, so hopefully that'll be uh, the case. Flip to uh, Psalm chapter 14. So the one we're talking about this morning, or the the rule of Bible study we're talking about this morning, is the rule of context. And uh, this this verse in Psalms is one of like my easiest go-to verses for the importance of context. So context is just being able to understand how a verse or how a phrase or how a word fits into, um, you know, a, a bigger group, of, uh, you know, and how a word fits into a verse or how a verse fits into a chapter, how a chapter fits into a book, like how all those things go together. And so it's important for us to not take things out of context, meaning uh, like for this verse that you're flipping to right now in the Bible, it says there is no God. Okay. That the verse literally says that Psalm 14, verse one. Right in the middle says there is no God. Uh, but if you just take that phrase and say the Bible says there's no God, well, that is factually true. The Bible does say that there is no God, but that's taken out of context, right? You read the whole verse. It says the fool hath said in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. So the phrase right before it is super important to be able to understand the Bible is not saying there is no God, right? It's saying that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. Um, so that's like one of my go-tos because it's easy because you tell somebody, especially somebody that doesn't know a lot about the Bible, uh, you tell them, hey, the Bible says that there is no God. Uh, they're like, what? I thought the Bible was all about God. Well, it is about God. Well, then why does it say there is no God? That seems contradictory. Uh, but you read the whole verse and you get the context of what it's saying. That's, you know, it's saying the exact opposite that, that of course there's a God and only a fool would say that there is no God. Um, so just that, just that little phrase within that, within that verse, um, you know, is super important. If you take it out of context, it just doesn't, it doesn't, uh, mean the same thing. It doesn't read the same way. Uh, flip over to Proverbs chapter 25. So that was a phrase within a verse. This one is, a whole verse that you can take out of context. Whoops. Proverbs 25. I mean, you could do this all over the Bible. You could take verses out of context or 
you know, words out of context or whatever. Uh, but it's really important for us to not do that, right? I mean, we would not, if we say something, you know, if I was, if I was up here and I said there's no God, and you guys go tell your parents, hey, Luke said there's no God, he was teaching on it this morning about how there's no God, uh, that would be out of context of what I'm saying, right? That's the opposite of what I'm saying. And so it's important that we want our words to be, you know, kept in context if someone's saying something that we said well tell them tell them all of what i said you know i didn't say that person was you know dumb i'm saying if they did this thing that they would be dumb or whatever you know i mean taking it out of context um doesn't work um and so verse proverbs 25 verse uh, 22 it says for thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head and the lord shall reward thee okay so if you just read that one verse out of context, it sounds like God's going to reward you if you heap coals of fire on somebody's head, right? But that's not what that verse is talking about. So to get the whole context, uh, you'd have to read the whole chapter. But if you just read the verse right in front of it, it says, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. So if you get if you read just the verse before it, you get the context of, oh, this is how I'm supposed to show my enemy kindness, right? Even when, even if they're my enemy, if they're hungry and I give them bread or if they're thirsty and I give them water, uh, it's going to heap coals of fire on their head, like figuratively, right? Not literally. But you know, like if you're mad at somebody and they just keep being nice to you, it is more and more frustrating to you because it's like you just want them to fight back at you and that you want, you want both of you guys to be going at it. But when they don't, when they don't give you what you want, uh, when they don't fight back and they're just, they kill you with kindness, uh, it can be extra frustrating. And so that's what this verse is talking about. God's not going to reward us for heaping coals of fire on somebody's head. But if we treat our enemies with kindness, if we, we show them the love of Christ, that's going to heap coals of fire on their head. And that's what God's going to reward us for. Right. So, uh, so that's just, I mean, that's a, a verse that, you know, you can, oh, I read the whole verse. Well, that verse is taken out of context if you just read it by itself. Um, you know, and, and there's, there's other, you know, examples of, you know, you could read a whole passage, you know, several verses and you could take that chunk of verses out of that context and with, without the rest of the chapter around it, it may say something different than if you read the whole chapter around it and same thing, you take a whole chapter and it's like, well, that, that's a part of a bigger book. And so you need to really understand what's going on in the book and you take that book and that's out of context from the rest of the new Testament, the rest of the old Testament. And, you know, of course, and then in the whole Bible. And so, uh, you know, the Bible has so many layers and uh, that's why it's so important to be spending time in the word of God, because there's there is a never ending uh, number of levels of understanding that you can get to with the word of God. You can read the same thing over and over and over again, and you can get something different from it every single time. And there's no other book like that. Um, I'm not a big reader, but uh, I've been listening to some audiobooks recently. I'm not going to get something different out of those books if I listen to them again or if I read them again. But I may have missed a phrase or I may have missed something that happened in the book because I wasn't really paying attention because I was driving while I was listening to it and I, you know, I kind of missed a few words that it said or something. But the book is not going to change the next time I read it, right? The story is going to be the same. Um, the, the way that the book unfolds is going to be the same. And the words in the Bible aren't going to change either. But the Holy Spirit inside of us is going to help us to understand things differently. It's going to show us something that we didn't see before um, because there's just, there's so many layers of, of, of what the Bible has for us. 
And uh, and so that's what this study hopefully is going to help you guys understand. I, I don't want to overcomplicate. I don't want you to feel like, well, now when I read the Bible, I'm not going to get anything out of it because, you know, there's so many layers and how can I possibly know all the context? I don't know how this book fits in this or this chapter fits in this book and I don't know how this book fits in the whole Bible and I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to spend time studying all that stuff out. I don't, I don't have enough understanding to get that. It, I don't want to overcomplicate it and make it seem like you have to know all of those things in order to get something from the Bible because you don't. God, God can give you something uh, no matter where you are as far as um, like your understanding of the Bible. He can give you something wherever you're at. But just know that no matter, I mean, no matter how much you read it and how much you study it, God can continue to show you new things each time you do it. And so, um, so just just as like the the phrase within that verse in Psalms, and just like this verse uh, in Proverbs within the whole chapter, you you want to be able to understand the context of you know what you're reading. And so, some of the things that you want to consider uh, when thinking about the context is who was it written to? How many, what are, there's three different people groups in the Bible. You guys know what they are? What? Jews and Gentiles, that's two of them. What's the third one? Did you say something else? No? Anybody help her out? Jews, Gentiles, and... Huh? Hebrews are the Jews. Yes, the church. So, for the most part... The Old Testament is written to the Jews. The New Testament is written to the church. Uh, Gentiles are, would be anybody who's not a Jew. Um, that would be all of us. But once we're once we're saved, whether we're Jew or Gentile, the Bible says that they're you know we're a new creature. We're, there is no more Jew or Gentile. We're we're in the church now. So uh, again, not all of the New Testament is written to the church. Um, and then there obviously there's things in the Old Testament that we can that we can gain um, understanding of. But the Old Testament is uh, is a Jewish book, right? The Jews still, to this day, uh, you know, read the Old Testament. That that is their Bible. That's the the uh, Torah. And so, in the Old Testament, people didn't get saved the way that we get saved now, right? Salvation was different in the Old Testament. In order to be saved, like you couldn't be saved the way that we're saved now. But in order to you know be saved in the Old Testament. You had to follow the Jewish law, right? You had to become a Jew. So think about like Ruth. Ruth was not a Jew uh, when she was born. She was from Moab, and but she, when when her and her mother-in-law, when Naomi came back, right? They came back to Israel, and she started. She said, "Your God is going to be my God. Your people are going to be my people, right? Your land is my land, or whatever the different uh, list of things there." So she's like, I, "I'm all in with you, Naomi." So she came back. You know, she marries Boaz, who was a Jew. Um, you know, she became a Jew. She started following the the laws of the Jews, right? So, so she became um, a Jew. So she didn't get saved like we get saved now, but uh, that was the way of salvation for most of the Old Testament. Is you had to become a Jew. The Jews were the only one. They were God's chosen people. That was who God had chosen to work through, and so. Uh, that was the way to salvation. So now in the New Testament, obviously it's different, right? Jesus died on the cross, and when he resurrected, everything changed, right? Now salvation isn't through becoming a Jew. That's what the whole book of Acts talks about. 
You don't have to be a, a Jew. You don't have to follow the, the Jewish laws. Uh, even Jews, like, they, they can get saved, right? God wants to see them saved. That's what, like, Paul was a Jew, right? So then Paul gets saved, and now he's going around telling all the other Jews, listen, the Messiah is the one that we killed. That was Jesus. And so now, things are different. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ now, not through the law. The law is, the law was great to help us understand our sin, but the, we could never be perfect in that system. We could never be, uh, you know, saved through this, through that system. We're always going to come up short of the law. But the great news is Jesus Christ fulfilled the law, right? He, he was perfect. And so now because of his sacrifice, we don't have to do these sacrifices anymore. And so most of the New Testament is written to the church, right? The Romans, all the way up through uh, Philemon, is all written to the church. And, uh, and so it's important to know, like if you're reading in the Old Testament, you know, and you read a passage about, um, you know, making sacrifices and, you know, covering our sins and things like that, that, that is, that's good things to know. And like, we can, we can gain application from that. Like maybe there's sacrifices you need to make in your own life in a, not in a physical sense, like you're sacrificing an animal, but in a spiritual sense, like maybe you need to give up something or maybe you need to stop doing this thing or maybe you need to start doing this thing. There's sacrifices we can make, but those are, that's going to be different than what it was in the Old Testament, right? Where they're actually killing an animal and, and offering it to God in a, in a very specific manner. Um, so it's important to know, like when you're reading the Old Testament, you can get a lot of application from that, but those things don't apply to us in like a, a doctrinal way anymore. We don't have to uh, make sacrifices. Jesus Christ fulfilled all of that for us. And so understanding what, where you're reading in the Bible is super important. If you're reading in the book of Ephesians, who is the book of Ephesians written to? Of these, of these three people groups, who's the book of Ephesians written to? The church, yeah. So you can get, like, he was writing it to a church of Christians in the city of Ephesus. So you can take those things and you can apply them directly to you because they were saved the way that we are saved. The things that Paul's telling them are the same things that apply to us. That's where, you know, children obey your parents. That's something that we can, like, apply. That's something you guys can apply. Obey your parents. You know, the Bible says that. It's written in, um, you know, in one of the books to the church. So uh, you can definitely take that and apply that directly. Uh, but you wouldn't want to take something from, like, the last thing that we just finished talking about with the book of Acts uh, a few weeks ago. The book of Acts is a transitional book. So there's a lot of things going on in the book of Acts that, uh, you know, we don't want to get our, our doctrine from that. Flip over to Acts chapter 2. We'll look at um, a verse there. So Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38. Somebody read that. Please. Brendan, read that for me, please. Now when they heard this, they were looking up for their heart. And so the Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, and the Peter said unto them, all right 
What's wrong with that? Hallie, what's wrong with that verse? Claire, what's wrong with that verse? Amy, what's wrong with that verse? Nothing? Discuss it amongst yourselves. What is wrong with Acts 2.37 and 38? If we were to take that and we were to apply that directly to our lives, what kind of problems do you potentially see there? Perfect. Yes, you do not get saved. Uh, you do not get remission of your sins by being baptized. But this is Peter, right? One of Jesus's apostles, telling these people that that's what they needed to do. So the book of Acts is transitioning, right? Jesus, literally one chapter before this, in Acts chapter one, had just finished saying goodbye to the to the disciples and had ascended into heaven, right? I mean, he was fresh off of the planet. And Peter's get up, Peter gets up and he's, he's preaching this and he tells them, yeah, get baptized for the remission of sins and then you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay, well that did apply to them at that time. That was true to them. That was, uh, this is historically what happened. There was nothing wrong with Peter saying that. Uh, at that time, that was fine. Well, the book of Acts is a transitional time. So it, it is, it's not like, Jesus died, he rose again three days later, and then all of a sudden, everyone just knew this, this different way of doing it. What, what, what if somebody died during the three days that Jesus was in the ground? What if, what if somebody died during that time period? Did they, were they saved the way they were saved? Were they saved the Old Testament way? Like, what did they have to do in order to be saved if it was even before Jesus resurrected? I mean, is that New Testament? Is that Old Testament? Would they have to be a Jew at that time? Could they, Except the Holy Ghost at that time, like, I mean, there there was a time of transition of of several months probably that from the time Jesus resurrected until the time people started hearing from Paul, oh, I have to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior in order to receive the Holy Ghost. I don't have to be baptized. Although in this passage, if you read that, I mean, that is what it says. That is how they, that is how Paul or Peter was telling them to get saved. Okay, so in taking that out of context, if if you're a, a different religion, you know, that believes that, that baptism is required for salvation, and there are several that are like that, they would say you have to be baptized in order to be saved. Here's the verse that tells us that. Baptism is required uh, for the remission of sins. See, it says it right here in the Bible. Well, yes, it does say that in the Bible. And at that time, that was true. But we don't live in Acts chapter 2. Right at the end, by the end of the book of Acts, when Paul's on the scene and he's planting all these churches, things are different. Right? Ephesians two eight nine. What does Ephesians two eight nine say? Anybody know? If you don't know, flip there and look at it. Bianca wants to quote it for us. Go for it, Bianca. Okay, it's not of works. Baptism is a work, right? If any of you guys have been baptized, it takes some work to convince yourself to walk down the stairs in that tank and get up in front of everybody and answer a question about whether or not you know where you'd go if you died that day, 
right? That that is a work. You're you're you are physically walking down into water and getting dunked. That verse in Ephesians says it's not of works, so that conflicts with what it says in Acts. You have a question, Hallie? Yeah, it does. Uh, but so those two verses contradict each other is my point. But a little bit of understanding of context. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to understand that in Acts, Jesus had just resurrected. And if you just read that verse and you had never heard any of this before, and maybe some of this is new to you guys even now, if you've never heard that before, like maybe you read that and you think, well, well that does contradict what I thought was the case. I haven't been baptized. Does that mean I'm not saved? No, it doesn't mean that. Um, so you need to you need to understand it in the context. That's one of the reasons that we have this class. That's one of the reasons that we come to church, right? Is so that we can hear from the Word of God, maybe from somebody who uh, is a little bit further down the road than us, that maybe knows a few more things than us, uh, that that can teach us something about what the Word of God says. And then you know, also we need to be setting it out on our own as well. Um, okay. We're going to skip some of this because we're running low on time. Um, flip over to Matthew chapter 10. I told you guys you're going to be flipping a lot today. We've looked at this verse in here before, but it's been a little while. Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 7. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Uh, so Jesus is telling them, like, Hey, he's telling his twelve disciples, I want you guys to go out. Do not go to the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans. Only go to the Gentile, or only go to the Jews, to the house of Israel. But then, just a little while later, doesn't Jesus meet the woman at the well? Isn't she not a Jew? She's a Samaritan, right? So, is Jesus contradicting his own word? Uh, what about when, in Acts when he meets Paul on the road to Damascus, and he tells Paul, like, go to the Gentiles, right? He tells Peter in a vision. Go to Cornelius' house. Go to the Gentiles. Right? So, even at the end of the book of Matthew, the you know our, our key verse for the Great Commission, right? Go ye therefore and teach who? All nations. Thank you, Brendan. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Right? The Jews are one nation. Still to this day, there is one nation of Jews. Now, there's Jews living in other countries, but the Jews, that's Israel. That's one nation. But we're supposed to go to all nations. Well, that's that's in the same book as this. Matthew chapter 10, uh, Matthew chapter 28. Those are both in Matthew, right? Jesus said both of them. But things have changed, right? By the time Matthew 28 rolls around, what big event had already happened that had not happened yet in Matthew chapter 10? Bianca. What had happened by Matthew 28? Yes, the cross. She charades it for us. Yeah, pantomime. Uh, the cross had happened, right? Jesus had died and resurrected by Matthew 28. So things were different. Things changed. And uh, and so it's important for when you read 
Matthew chapter 10, if you read that as a, as a non-Jew, as a baby Christian, if you read this thing and it says, I thought Jesus loves all of us. I thought Jesus wanted everyone to be saved. Doesn't it talk about how God's not willing that any should perish? Well, why in the world did Jesus just tell his, tell his disciples then to specifically not go to the Gentiles? I'm a Gentile. Jesus doesn't love me like he loves the Jews. Things were different then, right? The, in the Old Testament, which is, even though Matthew is in our New Testament, uh, while Jesus is still alive, that's an Old Testament context, right? The Jews were God's chosen people in the Old Testament. In order to become, you know, uh, saved, quote unquote, you had to become a Jew. So yeah, only go to the Jews. That is the people that that Jesus, um, you know, was originally here to to bring them back, right? To get them back in a right relationship with God because they've been falling away for so long. But when the Jews killed Jesus, that opened the door to everybody else, right? Now salvation does not come through the Jews anymore. The sal salvation now comes through Christ. And so uh, there's there's so much to to understanding this context that if there's so many contradictions in the Bible that you could come across if you don't understand or, or consider the context. Now, again, you don't have to know all of this stuff. You don't have to understand the, you know, all the intricacies of the context of all the different chapters and all the different books of the Bible in order to get the. I mean, you can read this and just know, just start with the understanding that God probably is right and I probably am wrong if I think that there's something wrong in the Bible. Right? If I if I see something that's a contradiction, that's me not understanding it right. That's you not understanding it right. That's not the Bible getting it wrong. Right? The Bible is not going to contradict itself because the Bible is perfect because it is the Word of God and God is perfect. And uh, and so if there if there seems to be a contradiction, the error is on on our part. Right? And so if you if you go into it with that understanding and you look at man Matthew 10 really Jesus really does say to not go to the Gentiles. And I do not understand why in Acts chapter 10, he tells Peter to go to the Gentiles. That is two opposite things. So how can I reconcile those things? And if you don't, if you don't know the answer to that question, uh, you can study it out, right? You can, you can look, at, look into it a little bit. What is different in Matthew and versus Acts? Well, Jesus is resurrected for one, right? That, that's a big difference. Maybe that, maybe that has something to do with this, the differences that I'm seeing. Uh, you can ask, you know, you can ask me, you can ask your parents, you can ask Pastor Brian, you can, you can get information that you don't currently have, um, to help you, to help you make sense of it. And so, um, so context is so important and being able to understand, uh, the meaning of the, of different places in the Bible to be able to understand, I mean, just consider who the, who that verse or that passage is written to. The book of Matthew, while we can get a lot of things from it, that's where we know a lot of things about Jesus because it's written in the book of Matthew. But the book of Matthew is still an Old Testament context book. It's it's not written to the church. Uh, doesn't mean we can't we shouldn't read it. Doesn't mean that we can't get stuff out of it. But it is written to the Jews. And so if we want to if we want to get something doctrinally from it, we need to make sure that it lines up with other things in Scripture. And we'll talk about that more as we get into some of these other rules of Bible study, um, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, like we just talked about um, in First Corinthians. Uh, that's one of the other rules of Bible study that we'll get into. But um, the last one I want you—I didn't write down the reference on this one. But I think it's in—I think it's in Second Timothy. Hold on.
Um, maybe it's first Timothy. Pause for a moment. I'm going to find this verse. I knew I should have put it in my notes. Uh, it is 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 2.15. I was looking at 2 Timothy 3.16. That was not the same verse I was thinking of. Alright, 2 Timothy 2.15. And then we'll wrap up with this verse. Somebody want to read that? The word of truth. So, reading the Bible as a baby Christian, reading the Bible and praying are like the two most important things that you can do to grow. Right? A, ba- a physical baby needs to eat milk in order to grow. But if a five-year-old only drinks milk, that's not going to be healthy for them, right? By that point, they need to be taking in something else. And so if you guys are at the point where you don't read your Bible, you don't pray, start with that. Start with reading. Start with praying. If you've been reading and you've been praying and you start to come across things that, hey, I don't really understand what this is talking about, or that seems like something different than what I remember reading the other day. I don't remember where it was, but... And you're starting to like come across questions. You're starting to, um, you know, think, man, I don't, I don't really get exactly all of these things. I'm starting to see some things that maybe I don't understand, right? You're starting to grow. That's God trying to grow you. He's, he's giving you the Holy Spirit is giving you some things that maybe are, oh, that's something new I haven't seen before. I don't know what that means. Okay, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Reading the Bible is a great first step. That is the milk. Studying the Bible is something different, right? That is a more difficult thing to do. Preparing a devotion requires that you do a little bit of study. You can't just read a chapter and then get up in front of everyone and read that chapter to them and say, isn't that cool? If you're a baby Christian, yeah, that's great. If you can get up in front of people and you can read a chapter or a passage of verses and say, this is really cool. God showed me this. Uh, Isn't it cool how he says this thing? Okay. That, if you're a baby Christian, that's great. But if I get up here on a Sunday morning and I read you guys a chapter and I say, isn't that cool? Let's pray and let's go home. You guys might like that because maybe you don't listen to me talk that day. But uh, that's not, that's not going to be enough for me to get up here and just read a passage or read a chapter and, and say that God is cool and he, does, you know, he showed me this one thing. Right? It requires some study. I have to spend more time in the Word of God. I have to put in some effort. I have to look up some other verses and hey, that kind of goes with this over here and then I got to put it all together so that I can present it to you guys so that maybe something that I say sticks in your brain and you guys can apply something that that you've heard, right? And so studying to show ourselves to prove unto God a workman, it takes work to do that, right? Working requires or implies that it's not easy. There's some there's some work that has to go into it, right? So, um, understanding the context may not just be super easy for you right off the bat, but once you kind of get a, a bigger understanding of the Bible or, you know, a bigger, uh, 
big picture view of the Bible, and you can kind of understand, okay, here's how it's all kind of broken up. And now when I read it, I can understand it in a different way. Uh, that requires some study. That requires some work. Um, and that requires us rightly dividing the word of truth. The Bible has divisions in it, right? There, there's things called dispensations, right? There's the Old Testament. There's the New Testament. That's an easy division. There's all the different chapters, or all the different books, I mean. There's some books written to the church. There's some books written to the Jews. There's some books that are transition books, right? There's, there's these other different divisions. But being able to rightly divide those things and rightly to understand them does take some work. And so um, if you're a baby Christian, don't get overwhelmed with having to work. We don't expect babies to work, right? But we do expect adults to work. We do expect sometimes teenagers to work if you want to earn some money, right? I got a 9-year-old and a 12-year-old all day yesterday. All they wanted to do was, what can I do for some money? What can I do? Can I vacuum out your car? Can I do something in the house? I need some money because they both want to buy stuff. And so they understand if I want to be able to buy something, if I want to earn some money, I have to work. So, Dad, what can I do to work around here to get some money? Uh, we don't work in the Bible to get money, but we do gain we do gain spiritual riches from it, right? So, if you're a baby, no one's expecting you. God does not expect you to be a deep studier of the Word of God, a student of the Word of God right away. But just know that, like as you grow, right, this class name, as you grow up spiritually speaking and physically. Um, there's more responsibility. There's more expectations, especially now that you guys are in the high school class. There's a little bit of difference in, than when we were all together, right? I expect less from an 11-year-old than I expect from a 17-year-old, right? Or a 14-year-old, somebody 15-year-old, right? I expect different things from an 11-year-old than I do from some of you guys. So the responsibilities are different as you grow up. Yes? You better grow up, girl. Better grow up. That's what I'm talking about. All right, we're done. Let's pray, and then we'll head out. Jesus, <clears throat> dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for this beginning of study on uh, the rules of Bible study. God, I just thank you for um, just the way that you've taught me, God, through all the um, things that I've gone through with discipleship and D2, and God, just the way that the Heartland has played such a key role in uh, my own spiritual growth, God, and I, I just thank you for being able to pass some of these things on to this next generation, God, I pray that, that some of these guys would just would, would grab on to the ideas, God, that we're talking about, just the, the basic foundational things of reading and studying and or reading and, and praying, God, that they would grab onto those things and God that some of these things about understanding context and some of the other rules that we're going to talk about of, of how to study the Bible, God, that that those things would just start to fall into place and just be tools in their toolbox that they can use as they come across things that they don't understand, God. Maybe they can uh, start to question, okay, what is the context of what's going on here? What is what is God doing in this passage? Who is he writing this to? Uh, why is this written to them? Those thing, those kinds of questions, God, that that uh, I pray that these that these guys would, would desire to be uh, students of the Word, God, that they would desire to be... Um, workmen and workwomen, God, that they would uh, really dive into the Word to, to find what it is that you have for them. And, and uh, God, if they're not there yet, I pray that they would just uh, just start with the thing that they do know, God. Start with the the being obedient to read their Bible and to pray. And, God, that we know that you'll grow us. Uh, you'll grow, I know that you'll grow them uh, if they just commit to doing that, God, as, you, as you've done in my life. And um, I just I thank you, God, for this class. I thank you for uh, this Sunday, God. And uh, just ask your blessing on the rest of the day. In Jesus' name, amen. Jude, did you get all this?
guess I should turn off my recorder.